very welcome to a very different show that we have, and this is the first of our Armad Dream Team. We've teamed up with Derry Noose, who are running a brilliant fundraiser where you pick, you get the chance to pick the best Armad 15, the Dream Team of the last 50 years, from 1973 right through to this year, 2023. So um, log on to their website, it's armaddreamteam.co.uk, and you can select your teams with a chance of a few money prizes if you guess the right team. So I'm delighted to be joined by Jim McCory and he's going to talk us through his dream team, his best Armagh team of the last 50 years. And Jim, you're the first of hopefully a few ex-players, ex-managers and everything else that's going to come on in a few uh, over the next few weeks and months. How difficult of an operation was this? Uh, Sean, we had to tell you, I've done a lot of, I said to you earlier, I've done a lot of your podcasts, you know, for Armagh games, previews of games, post-match summaries and um, they're dead easy this was a nightmare this was a nightmare I mean I have I've probably about four options in each position so I can give you all four and then let somebody else pick them because it's this is head scratching stuff you know to, to try and do so uh, I've given them a best rattle you know um, maybe fall out to some fellow teammates that I would have played with maybe fall out to some players that I would have coached and managed uh, but we'll give it a rattle see how it goes and Jim, I suppose the thing about this is, I know when I was trying to pick mine, it's trying to be fair till the whole 50 years. It's not the easiest thing to do is just Armagh won the land 2002, so that was the greatest thing. But it's, yeah. it's not as easy as that, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's it's not as easy as that. And when when you have successful teams and a great successful team like 02, you know, the temptation is to go with a lot of them. But that's the recent memory. And I suppose if you get a younger person doing it, as opposed to... Uh, an older person, a more mature person like me, but you want to describe it. See, I'd be, for, I'd be the, the fortunate uh, position for looking back. I played with the majority of the guys that saw that from that era. I managed the majority of the guys that saw from the earlier in the 90s period. Uh, and recently then with the more recent batch and coaching with uh, Kieran McGinney for three years, I have the recent batch as well, so I prefer working knowledge of all of them, you know, and uh, so uh, I'll be able to cover the whole lot, and uh, there'll be a lot of memories going back as well, but some fairly recent too. So we'll get started, obviously, with the, the goalkeeper, Jim. So who made the Cotton the number one jersey for you? Okay, well, obviously, you know, you're looking at Tierney there from the 2 you're looking at Hardy, or Tierney from 4 2 you're looking at Hardy, you're looking at... Uh, Raph now, you know, this uh, sweeper-keeper, you know how that's working. We've just been very, very successful for, for Armagh. But really the one I went with was Brian McElnitton, who I played with. Um, Brian, and he managed Armagh as well, but Brian was ahead of his time as a keeper in terms of trying to find that space, hitting short kickouts when they're on, um, hitting the longer kickouts, uh, he had distance on his kick. But the organisation and communication, he was like a captain in there. You, you heard him... You know, you heard that squeaky voice. Squeaky voice it was, but you'd have heard him a mile away barking the orders out, both in terms of getting the defence orientated, but for, for all the restarts as well. So uh, I couldn't go past Brian Magalhães, fantastic keeper during all my playing days, yeah. And uh, when I come in to his management time then, Jim, I, I know Neil McCoy's book was brilliant on the, the era before the Lion winning team, the two Canavans, or sorry, the two brands, Brian Canavan and Brian McAllen. He was the... He was the enforcer. He was the bad cop of the two of them. Was he like that as a player? Was he an enforcer? 
Uh, he wouldn't have been the same in fourth, but he Brian was never behind the door about speaking his mind and still isn't. Uh, but uh, you could see obviously that skill that he had then transferring into the management. Um, and Brian could uh, put the arm around someone to get the best out of him, but he also gave him to kick up the arse to get the best out of him as well. He's probably did a lot more as a manager than he did as a player, <laughs> uh, but he, he knows football uh, inside out, you know, and that's why he's so successful as a manager and as a player. And I said at that time, ahead of his time in terms of finding men with kickouts, creating space, getting guys to create the space. But the leadership he showed from defence, you know, uh, calling guys in the positions um, was excellent, you know, uh, so. Hard decision, hard decision. You take the ones in Mass Tierney, you know, Hardy, uh, Rafferty nowadays on it. You know, they're all really good keepers, um, but I had to go with Brown on that one. So give us your full back line then, Jim. You've picked three players from three different areas, really. Yeah, yeah, I did. I've, uh, Andy Mullen, uh, Ian Forker, and Jim McCure is the three. And I had difficulty with this because uh, I also play with a fellow uh, clubmate of Brian's, Dennis Stevenson. Uh, cornerback was one of the best cornerbacks uh, in that era. He was so tight, uh, so fit, you know, great leader on the field, no nonsense player. Um, and some of the qualities to Andy Mal, I mean, Andy's fitness levels, he you know, was legendary. Uh, his man marking, you know, support play, you know, holding on the ball, ball retention, giving it the right time. So um, that was a difficult one. I remember Dennis first, and went back to Andy, and then there's others as well, you know, that you've seen over those sort of eras that, that I would have been involved. Um, so I went with Dennis on that one. Uh, the fullback one, again, caused a wee bit of an issue in that, obviously, you know, values a legend, you know, <laughs> at club and county. Um, but Aidan Forker, for me, is, you know, he's exceptional. Aidan um, Forker, in my view, would walk on to any team in Ireland currently. And, you know, people would talk about, you know, all those old days of the Dennis Stevens and the Brian McLeans or Jim McCarry played. These boys couldn't cut it in the modern era because of the fitness levels and the style of play and all that. And, but Aidan Forker could play in any of those eras, but currently he could play on any team in Ireland, in my view. And then probably one to 15 position. He could probably do what, what Raf's doing and, and goals at the minute as well. Uh, that's the type of player he is. He can go up and score from it. He can non-mark. He can handle the physical big physical players, he can, he can mark the smaller, more elusive type players. So Aidan Forker would be my number three. Um, number four then, I put in Jim McCure. And again, loads to pick from here. Um, I was trying with Peter Raffi, who had been more a halfback, uh, but he would have played, you know, times he would have moved back as well to do a job. Um, but I went with Jim McCure. I mean, Jim McCure just exuded class on the team. I have two players in this team that just exude pure class when they were playing. And Jim McCurry was one he'd left up the day for. He would he could put a ball 70 yards right onto your chest. Um, great leader. Wouldn't have been the best trainer, and I probably would have accepted this himself, you know, maybe in the same American one of these days. He might pull me on that one, but <laughs> Jim McCurry wouldn't have been the best trainer in the team, you know. But the you know, the memories of him with that. Uh, bandage around the head for the headband. It was the, <laughs> the old bandages you would have used in them days around your hold your ankles together when you were playing you had the same physio and back up. But Jim McCure was fantastic and obviously he played fullback as well. Um he played how he could have played him and he were a uh, really creative player. Um so he would have got my nod for the third position in the fullback line. 
Then moving up, what about your halfback line, Jim? Who who makes it? Well, halfback line again, um, and like everybody else, difficulties with this. Um, so I went for Joey Donnelly, Kieran McGinney, and Aaron Kiernan. So those three, again, I had, I had difficulties when you look at the likes of, you know, from that same era, Noel Marley, who was a fantastic attacking halfback, played midfield as well, driving forward. Um, Martin McQuillan, um, you know, Ross, the son has that gene that Martin has for speed because Martin was a fantastic uh, footballer on and off the ball, the speed, the space he created, uh, great engine in him. Um, but I went with Joey Donnelly because uh, Joey was very, uh, he was probably underrated in a lot of ways, um, very, very quiet personality ways, but he was like a clay on players, uh, never wasted a ball. Um, Great leader of the game uh, and very, very strong in all assets. You'd want for a halfback attack and halfback, but able to control his player. Uh, Aaron Kern on the other wing as well. I mean, Aaron's still legendary in, in Armagh and, and in, in Cross McGlenn, where he, you know, he's still been playing up the recent, you know, the, uh, his game sense and his game management at that time was superb and driving the team forward. Great distributor of the ball, great leader. Um, and even in my time, whenever I was managing Kilku and we were playing Cross McGlenn, you could see that authority that he has in the game. Um, really, really good game management, understanding the game, uh, bringing other players into it. Santa halfback, uh, Kieran McGinney. Um, Kieran was up against another legend from my era, it would have been Paddy Moriarty. Uh, Paddy was legendary, and Paddy would have been playing before I joined the Armagh team. And he'd have been one that I would have looked up to and someone I'd have wanted to emulate whenever I get into the team in terms of his no-nonsense play, driving forward. Uh, I remember one of the games in David Park, Paddy was taking a free kick, you know, from the, way, edge at the end of the game and it was in the Francis Street end. And he took the free kick and he put it over the bar and I think it ended up in the middle of the shankle that he hit at that bar. <laughs> the game over, but uh, Paddy was a legend um, and I really enjoyed playing with him. But Kieran McGinney is, is something special. You know, you say, well, you, you coached with Kieran and uh, you, I coached him as well. But Kieran McGinney, um, whenever I, I went in the squad, took the squad on in 91, Kieran had to play in the half forward line um, under uh, Joe and Paddy. That was Joe's first time managing along with uh, Paddy Moe. And I moved Kieran back in the half back line. Um, but his game sense um, was superb from there. But the biggest thing about Kieran McGinney is, you know, people say, oh, he wasn't, you know, the greatest on the ball. Kieran had some great scores in his playing day, but in terms of distribution of the ball, fantastic. But the no nonsense holding that centre half back spot, you shall not pass, um, you know, and, and the the motivation that he gives with players around him, the leadership, you know, and a lot of players would have said at that time, a lot of commentators would say about how instrumental he was in Armagh winning the All Ireland, you know, as the talk about these leader groups now that you have within all the modern teams, you know, and um, Kieran was really one of the main leaders, along with a few more that I mentioned here, along with Aaron Kieran, uh, leading that team, driving them forward. So um, we have to go with Kieran McGinney in, in number six. I think that's going to be a, a brilliant debate for maybe different people that are going to have on and other people picking their own teams is going to be that Paddy Moe versus Kieran McGinney for the number six jersey and people maybe get get them both into that half back line. But just on geezer, Jim, 
his leadership, his motivation is everybody knows about that and it's been talked about so much. But being in that changing room with him in recent years as manager, I assume he still has that that drive, that desire he had that was purely obvious when he was a player. Yeah, I mean, and I remember Kieran, whenever I, I brought him into more of the defensive role, but whenever we started, um, he was taken over from some of the players that maybe just weren't as good. Um, and he was a younger player then at that stage, but um, his work rate in training was second to none. Yeah. And I remember even in, in them days, you know, the training techniques way back when I was playing were different whenever I took over and managed from 91 to 95 to now, or to 202 and then to, to now. I mean, the, the change in how you prepare and, and uh, uh, get teams ready for games. But I remember even one stage, and I'll mention the all-player's name, he was open the place. And I'd moved Kieran into the halfback line, he was playing centre halfback. And the, the question that was asked to me was, Why am I not getting my place? Why is Kieran going to get this place for me? And I says, That's what he does. What's his work rate? He says, He'll never make it in that team. And that was his first move into the halfback line. Um, he actually played wing halfback as well. But that was the comment. And even in terms of, you know, the old days when you're doing the setups, you know, your players, when you're doing sets of 20, you're doing 20, and Kieran would maybe done 40 and thought nothing ever. No guy struggling on their 20th. Um, so that's the type of work rate you've got. He expects that of his players. He expects you to work hard. He expects you to work for the full amount of time that's there. But he would have been a great motivator of all the players by what he'd done in the MDS because he's obviously younger and wasn't the leader that he became. Um, but in the changing room now, I would assume in, in the changing room in 02, what he's saying now is similar in terms of how to garner the best out of players, how to get that extra one, two percent that you need and play right to the end. Uh, and unfortunately, a couple of very miles losses, you know, when people are commenting this year on it, you know, maybe just towards that last stretch that he needs that wee bit more, maybe that score, maybe closing out that game. You know, we had got it in his playing days. You've seen in 02 how important that was. And then in the midfield, Jim, who's your midfield pairing? Okay, well, midfield pairing was Paul McGrain and the late Colin McKinstry. Um, again, from two different years as well. I had uh, Jarlath Burns and John Toll in that grouping as well. And there are others there that, that was so hard to, to pick from. Um, but... Paul McGree and I brought in as a young student. I remember actually talking to him when he was coming from uh, St. Coleman's and I brought him in that great sort of minor side, you know, where you had David Mars, the notion of Conville, um, you know, Barry O'Hagan, you know, Paul. Those players were fantastic, you know, for the that minor group that won the All-Ireland came through. And we brought Paul in um, at that time. But the development of Paul, I mentioned about the leadership from uh, Keir McGinney and from Warren Kiernan, Paul would have been one of those leaders, uh, you know, when, when he spoke, people listened. Uh, but in terms of, from that time, he would probably be the Fenton of the modern era. Um, strong, no-nonsense player, good in the air, uh, 50 to 50 or 45 to 45, but it is nowadays. Uh, that hard work rate, been able to score for you, you know, but working back for that team and showing that great leadership. So, it was really a toss between him and Jarth because Jarth again, fantastically, maybe he didn't have the same amount of game time under the management, but certainly under the brands he did and came to the fore and obviously led them to the Ulster. Um, fantastic player. Um, so he was the other one that I had very Paul, but I went for Paul in the end. And then again, I was talking about John earlier and we know what, what John went through even to get playing um, with the injuries he had, um, but no nonsense. Same 
really in terms of Jonathan and Paul. But I had to go with Colin McKinstry today. I had to go with Colin because I played with Colin. Um, and Colin was, you know, you wouldn't see Colin in the gym doing the weights. You know, if Colin were doing the weights, he'd have probably not bumped out of Paul McGrain and Fenton and a whole lot of them. But Colin was tall and sort of lanky, but had a real languid stay. Um, really great to start beating the ball. But in terms of ball winning the air, and in those days, it was kicked longer, you know, it was kicked and fight for your ball. And I'm trying to win a clean even without the, the deliberate break ball. Colin would have done that. Um tremendous leader, a uh, great person to be around, been lovely personality. Post matches with Colin was fantastic. Um with the bottles of Guinness in them days, you know, that you would have had uh, I remember actually in, in, in one game afterwards on because in them days you'd have, you'd have stayed on and had a few drinks into the small hours, maybe ended up back in somebody's house, but I remember actually in one of the games, you can never keep up with Colin on the football field when he was playing the game in the field, but you never keep up with him when he's drinking those bottles of Guinness. <laughs> he's sitting down to the crate of Guinness and sat on it and just pulled the bottle out and took them as, as he wanted them. Um, and I remember actually Colin as well, an interesting story just uh, with Colin. Um, we're all at them days having, and even, you know, the, the more energy food, the proper food, you know, what you need for games. And Colin insisted on having steak, you know, with Father Haggerty, even though before a match, you know, uh, that's the sort of type of him that, they, and he could have played with the two, he could have played with steak and a couple of bottles of Guinness and still would have been brilliant at that, that <laughs> era. But Colin was fantastic, lovely person uh, to be around, great teammate, uh, but he worked right to the end and was a great leader in, in those days. And moving on to our half forward line then, Jim, who do you have here? Okay, well, in, I'm, I'm, I've, Went with Stevie McDonald and half forward line because I want him in the team and somebody else in the position he played in. So I've moved Stevie out to play like a roving corner forward, moving it out. I don't know if that cuts the mustard or not, but that's where I'm going with. So it was between um, Stevie uh, and Ocean McConville um, that I went for. And I went for Stevie in the end. Um, Ocean fall out me over this because uh, I think he thought he got a hard time at night time as well but he's fallen out me more now uh, but Stevie was just phenomenal in, uh, phenomenal in, in his play um, the running off the ball and I remember the story you know about saying oh, you get that ball and give me good ball coming in and Joe said you know you fight for every ball it's not just the good ball comes in and he did that you know along with Rooney Clark you know that terrible twosome up front you know and um, so I went with Stevie. Um, I also went with Jimmy Smith at centre half forward, um, and it was either Jimmy Smith or Kieran McGurk. Uh, Kieran, who sadly passed away, very very young, fantastic football left foot today for um, great leader. Remember one of the team meetings called me out um, when I was manager and saying you need to do what you did as a player and tell us and tell us right what to do. Maybe we regretted that because I think I did after that end. <laughs> Um, but Kieran was was fantastic, uh, great footballer um, and a great leader uh, for the guys. But Jimmy Smith was ahead of his time. Um, I remember actually going in and uh, Father Hagley playing me in the half back line to tell me to mark Jimmy Smith. And how do you mark somebody of you? You probably even they haven't even seen Jimmy Smith playing. He's probably just clips on YouTube. <laughs> his his game sense um, and how to create space. Totally unselfish. The amount of scores he got, the amount of time he got on the ball was phenomenal. But the amount off the ball running that he would have done, the space he would have created for others, the pass he put through, the scores he would have got for Emma, um, and a real captain and a real leader of the team. So um, I went with Jimmy over Kieran. 
Um, and then for another player, he could have included an 11 and would make a good 11 for the current Armagh team. We'll put him at 12 was Rian O'Neill. Um, I think Rian O'Neill will. He was up against Hooley. Um, and Hooley was legendary again for a lot of people, not in the in my playing days, but in my Madison days. And Hooley would have scored probably more goals than uh, anybody in, in the National League the year we got through to the final and had a celebrated reach up and on the fence and waving to the crowd, a bit like the you know, Joe Brawley kissing to the crowd, you know. But um, he was a fantastic footballer, big, strong full forward. Um, could have come out and roved as well and got the ball around the middle. But I think Rian O'Neill, even in the current team, um, is probably one of the best footballers Armagh's ever had uh, and is continuing to learn and get better. Uh, when Rian plays well, Armagh play well. And we've seen even that last game, you know, maybe there wasn't the same performances from a number of players in and around him in the forward line. Um, he was getting scores and he was winning ball. And he, and we've seen the great block he made on, on the goal line. You know, he's doing that. He's scoring goals at the other end. Probably the problem that Kieran has and, and three Kieran's have when they're selecting the team is where you play Rio and you play in midfield, you play him in the half forward line, you play him as an inside man, and where is the best place for him? Um, I put him at 12 on the basis that you could put him in any of the middle eight positions and you play him full forward. You know, he, he's that good. Dead ball striker as well, really good. Some of the Jimmy Smith uh, taking free kicks as well. Um, but Rian O'Neill is exceptional and is only going to get better and the future All-Stars as well. And we're talking about leadership, Jim, and talking about Geezer and Paul McGree. And, um, what's Rian O'Neill like in the training field and in the changing rooms? Is he a real leader in this current Armagh team? Uh, well, absolutely. And it's probably come to the fore more since I left. I mean, I'm gone two years now. So um, in the time I was there, Rian had only just joined the squad in the second year. Um, and was young coming through Ocean's Wallows there. I remember meeting both of them um, for breakfast one morning and chatting through about you know the way I'd seen the team and, and what they needed to do. But took on board all that was said. But in terms of trying to develop and, and work, you know, he was just a sponge looking for learning. Uh, and he's obviously got a lot of that from Kieran Donaghy coming in now for the forward play and how he should play. Um, he's become joint captain. Um, he was in the leaders group you know, as well, just before I left. Um, if he's moving into that category at that young age, I would say Kieran McGinney is maybe doing a wee bit of murgyism and seeing Rian as himself, because that's the way he was at that time. Um, and that's probably, you know, that leadership. See, a leader has to be able not only to communicate, uh, but he's able, he has to do it as well. There's no sense in telling everybody what they need to do and you're not doing it yourself. And this is where, where Forker is a great leader as well. You know, be a fantastic captain for, for Armagh. Remember in the first year, Aidan was calling and telling everybody what to do in one of the training matches we were doing. And I called him over and I says, Aidan, you know, get your own act in order. You know, you're not playing well here and you're telling everybody else where to run and who to mark and who to tackle. And Aidan said, you know what, Jim, you're 100% right. Accepted it and got on with it. And I'm not saying that's why he developed into a great player. He's a great player then, even before he came in. He's a great player now. Rian's the same. He's listened to what's been said. And you can see the improvement in him. He's a real team player. Uh, and that's what's needed. It's all about the modern game. It's all about the team, not about the individual. And just before we move on to the full forward line, uh, Jim, what about Jimmy Smith? Was he one of these players that would have played in any year and if he was playing today would, would still stand out? Absolutely. As I said, probably of all those players that I've mentioned, Jimmy Smith had the, probably the highest football IQ of all of them. And of anybody that I would have played with, 
or managed uh, or coached. Um, Jimmy would have seen things in the game before other players would have, you know, even seen that space. The modern game, you know, of how teams are set up, um, and trying to open up, you know, with cuts and strikes and over the top ball, um, you know, getting back into your structured defence, you know, be able to transition quickly. Jimmy was doing a lot of that as an individual player, but maybe it wasn't part of what was being coached at the time or how you were set up as a manager. But being able to even open up teams, allow others to score, you know, like Peter Locker, and, you know, being able to score from runs he would make, even the likes uh, that we mentioned as well, of uh, Joey Donnelly coming forward, you know, Peter Rafferty in those days. Uh, so Jimmy would have been ahead of his time, a fantastic football IQ, but great leader, you know, great leader on the field as well. So give us your last line then, Jim, your full forward line. Yeah, this one probably created as much uh, hurt from me. Um, I'm trying to name these players. Because, uh, I mean, I was very, very tempted to go with Mickey McDonald. God rest Mickey. died recently. Uh, great club man of mine. Um, exceptional footballer. I mean, he was a big soccer player as well and probably could have played what would have been the Premier League nowadays, you know, in, in their days, you know, in opportunities with Arsenal and Spurs. Um, but stuck at the Gaelic played with Manhattan at that time. But Mickey had speed to burn, but skill in terms of getting goals and opening up teams, he was fantastic. And I ended up I went against him or David Marsden. Um, and you know, maybe you say, well, maybe you'd have heard him up against other players, you mightn't have had to, you could have left him in. But again, I know a club made a mind of Hill as well, Mickey. But David Marsden, fellow Lurgan man, Clan ahead of his time as well, like exceptional player. Um, so strong on the ball, um, great scorer, great leader. But the one thing you'd have got with Damon Morrison, the work rate and what he would have done in terms of stopping players and stopping the other team. When we talk about the modern game, you know, what's the Darius and how good they are at stopping the opposition, getting into transitions in the attack. Um, Morrison was superb at that as well. Uh, linked in with the other players, you know, he would have been... Uh, one of the terms that Kieran, you need what you use whenever we were coaching you was make the player beside you look like an all star. Um, and low he would have got his, he made all the players look like all stars by what he did. Totally unselfish, um, in, in the modern era. Yeah, into the coaching end of it as well, obviously working for, for Ulster, but in terms of uh, being a coach and a manager as well, a plan like that. So I went for, for David Marston. Uh, and the last two then going back to the old era so that have been the old two so I think I've done a right bit of balance here uh, as best I can from the different eras but for the last two I went with Joe Kiernan and Johnny Corbin now I've left out Jamie Clark I've left out Peter Locker and I've left out uh, Ronan Clark you know all fantastic you know Clark from and I've heard him earlier working with Stephen uh, McDowell uh, Jamie Clark you know skilled to burn um, as well, good soccer player too, but skilled to burn. But um, Joe Kiernan, who you remember probably more as a manager than you would as a player for all these young fellas that, that, that do these podcasts and, and listen to them. Joe Kiernan was exceptional um, in 77 that year and seemed the goals that he scored. But right throughout his career, uh, if you wanted someone to lift the team, there was no one better than Joe. And we've seen that in his management as well, you know, with Cross McLean and with Armagh. Uh, the motivation that he gave as a manager was the type of motivation he gave as a player. Uh, and if he needed a game taken to the scruff of the neck, Joe was the man. He, he could he played. Now, put him in a full forward here. He'd played in the half forward line. He'd played midfield as well. Uh, and he drove from midfield as a forward, attacking uh, midfielder. 
uh, no-nonsense player and the reputation, you know, throughout the whole of Ireland, you know, similar to what you see with the Clifford now, that's the way Joe would have been in those days. Um, so for all you young ones, including you, Sean, go back and look at the programs, do you see the way it is? Uh, and maybe part of the problem is obviously, and I put down the word here, transferability. How can somebody from that era transfer to the 90s, you know, to the noughties, you know, to the current squad now, on it? Uh, but when you play with these guys and you've seen what they did at that time, that was ahead of the time and ahead of so many other teams. Because you remember Armagh were not that much fantastic side coming into the, 70, the late 70s until, you know, um, it, it really kicked off with the work with Jimmy Smith and uh, Brian McLeod with 30, Dennis Steves, all those guys, Joe Kiernan would have done. So I put Joe Kiernan in the uh, full forward. And then the last one was Johnny Corbin. And we talked about players ahead of the time. Johnny Corvin, transferability. Johnny Corvin in the modern team would be on starting 15, Kieran McGinney, every time. Johnny Corvin back in those days is doing what Clifford would do nowadays. You know, what O'Callaghan would do nowadays. That's the type of, of player uh, he was. Dead balls, you know, the old style, 50s, 45s, from anywhere would have been putting them over. Um, left foot today for goal scorer. Tormented defences, you know, he tormented defences on it. And absolutely, no doubt in my mind, if if anybody had seen Johnny Corbin in those days, and you're talking about transferability through any of those years we talked about, Sean, he would be in everybody's team. But he definitely would be. He probably was the easiest, along with maybe Forker and Rian of the modern day, Kieran of the, the O2 end of it, um, and Jimmy and Joe... Johnny would probably be the easiest of any of those to pick to say on my starting team. That's a high praise for Johnny Corbin, Jim. He's a bit, he's a couple, like a couple of the players in this team. I haven't seen a whole pile of them, but I know there has been clips, a couple of volley goals mm. and stuff like that. So Johnny Corbin, he's one of them players that obviously I never seen, but I've heard about the whole time growing up. And what you're obviously yeah. saying about him there, he, he must have been incredible to play alongside and just to see him in, in full flight. Yeah, I mean, the skill set in, in those days, you have to remember in those days, you know, we hadn't the modern player ball, you know, uh, you might not have had the, you know, these, the Predator boots they still use even, you know, these 150 pound boots, you know, somebody spent 150 pound on boots that have been to the whole team in, in those days, you know, um, and you played on pitches that were quagmires, you know, even during championship time, you know, so uh, Johnny could have turned the player you know, with a dummy, you know, with the top of the shoulder going past, with spins, you know, with hairpins. He'd have, he'd have done all of that in those days. He, he was virtually unmarkable, you know, to be very honest. Um, you know, probably you'd have needed, a, you know, the Jim McGinnis blanket defence with a sweep, double sweeper in, the trans stop and score, and, you know, that's, that's how good he was. And you can say, like, I mean, um, Clifford would be the type of player nowadays, everybody's saying the best player of the era, and he is, he's, Exceptional, even when you see the tight Martin at the weekend, you know, and he still scores eight points with five and play. He's going around. Well, that's the same sort of bracket that Johnny would have been in in, in that era, that era, you know, to be honest. Uh, and probably was for him there wouldn't have been the same success, you know, during that particular time. So that's that's your team, Jim. We'll just run through it here. It's Brian McLennan and Goals, Andy Mullen, Aidan Falker, Jim McCure, Joey Donnelly, Kieran McGinney, Aaron Kieran, the half back line, midfield, you have Paul McGrain and Colin McKinstry McKinstry. Then Steve McDonald, Jimmy Smith, and Ray O'Neill on full forward line. David Morrison, Joe Kieran, and Johnny Carvin. So happy enough to go with that, Jim. No late changes or anything. No late changes, but maybe you know a few there that I, 
I was talking about as well. Even in the modern year, Andy Merlin's fantastic footballer, Kieran McNally, again from, from my own club, Barry O'Hagan, Sean McMacken. You know, it didn't include any of the two McIntyres as well. Jim McConville, who played in that time. So, and obviously, the obvious one, I didn't include myself out of my own modesty, of course, I wouldn't include myself. I should have included myself. That's probably the only vote I'm going to get. <laughs> uh, but I left myself out, out of that as well. But all those names, and you take that, even those like, four or five others that I referred to, there's another batch. So this is going to be so tough for everybody to do. Really hard for me to do. Really enjoyed it, but very, very hard to do. I brought back some great memories, so thanks for that as well. Very nice and job. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, Jim, you're the first. And um, we'll hopefully have a few more ex-players, managers and whatever else over the next weeks and months. It's all um, for Dianus's fundraiser. It's Armagh's best team over the last 50 years. Make sure to check out the website and check out all the other podcasts that we're going to have in the next weeks and months. And of course, we'll be bringing everything from all the Armagh games and leading into the club um, season, the end of the club league and club championship coming up um, in the next while as well. Jim, great to hear from you. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much. You're very welcome, Sean. Cheers.